What are three things that leaders need to do when change and adversity strike? I'm Chester Elton. This is my co-author and dear friend, Adrian Gostick. Thanks, Chess. Yeah, how do leaders face challenges with dignity and grace? And how do they take care of themselves, their people, and prepare for the future? That's our topic for today. And we hope that time you spend with us will help reduce the stigma of anxiety at work and in your personal life. And with us today is our dear friend, John Baldoni a globally recognized leadership educator, executive coach, and author of 16 books translated into 10 languages. John's latest book is Grace Under Pressure, Leading Through Change and Crisis. John joins us as a member of the renowned 100 Coaches, founded by Marshall Goldsmith, and he writes for publications such as Harvard Business Review, Fords, and Inc.com. We've known John for a long time. We love this guy. Welcome to the podcast, John. We're delighted to have you here. Well, it's such a pleasure to be with you, Chester and Adrian. Thanks for this opportunity. I am very excited about my uh, this new book, and I'm taking a clue from uh, Marshall's last book, The Earned Life, when he was launching it. He said, I am so excited. I love this book, so I'm not going to hide it. <laughs> so, <laughs> good for you. Well, that's great. Chester, okay. I owe you, Chester, a very special thank you. The book is called Grace Under Pressure. Uh, leading through change and crisis. The subtitle was yours. We were in a connect group and we, I was talking about this idea and you just tossed that out and I go, sold. So thank you. <laughs> You're so, welcome, John. Glad to be of service. Oh, he's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah, and, yeah. and he's contributed many of our subtitles as well. So, yeah. <laughs> hey, start us out on a high level then about the book. So what do leaders need to do to help their people through times of change and crisis, as the subtitle says? Well, at, at basic, it's, it's three things. One, take care of your people. Two, take care of yourself. And three, prepare for the future. Now, those ideas are time immemorial. What I have done with grace under pressure is add the element of grace. So what do I mean by grace? This is my third book on the topic of grace. And grace to me is the catalyst for the greater good. It's that it facilitates the connection between us. And when you're in a leadership position, taking care of your people, taking care of yourself in preparation for the future, how exciting is it to shed a little bit of kindness, generosity, respect, and most importantly, compassion as you go forward. And the thing about Grace Under Pressure, it's, I like to say this book has muscle into it, giving grace muscle. And what do I mean by that? It's the courage and it's a conviction, and it's a stand up and act for what you believe in. And that's what great leaders do. They stand up for their people, they stand up for their ideas, and they pull people together for common cause. You know, it's a great, great uh, visual, at least a mental visual for me, to give grace muscle, because we often think that grace is this soft thing that, you know, people can kind of walk over, and you're saying, hey, the grace actually allows you that strength to stand up and, and you know, and what you believe in and, and take a stand. I'm curious, though, what are some of the most common mistakes leaders make uh, when they're under pressure? Well, I think the most important, uh, the, what we see most often is they uh, shut down. And if they don't shut down, they react and overact. And, and so they lose it. 
um, and either they withdraw or they uh, impose themselves in a fretful way on others. Do this, do that with no plan, with no outcome. What we look for, what, we, what leaders uh, do in times of crisis is just to slow things down, act common. Uh, you know, you guys are uh, sports fans, and one of the biggest things when a, a, a collegiate athlete either goes into baseball or to pro football or basketball, it's the speed of the game that overwhelms them. Over time, things slow down. They don't really, but mentally, their perception of it. And that's what leaders need to do in times of crisis. And, you know, I've had, both of you have been guests on my uh, show, uh, Grace Under Pressure, and I've had the opportunity to talk to so many leaders from different walks of life. Um, and they talk about, you know, keeping it calm and collected when things are just going crazy. So... I love that idea of slowing down, too. I was just watching a clip yesterday of, you know, just uh, the old Tobey Maguire of Spider-Man, you know, and he's getting, he's, the big bully is trying to beat him up, and, and he's all of a sudden got these powers, and he's able to slow things down. And I, I just thought, you know, wouldn't that be wonderful if we could do that in our lives? And, and I love that idea. Yeah, that's what great leaders do. Uh, another thing you said great leaders do is they do this process of rebuilding, which was I was intrigued by. Walk us through that. Rebuilding is an idea I borrowed from our colleague, Mark Thompson, um, who was in one of our calls talked about uh, rebuilding a house or a colleague of his had, had, had lost it and then build it better. And uh, our president now talks about that. But what it means is, first of all, if you're going to rebuild, I think you owe it to your people to affirm what's come before. It's not like we're going to blank slate everything. We've learned a lot. We know one another. We know our strengths. We're going to build upon those things so that that and then but we're going to do it better so how do we do it better well we get the best ideas and where often where do those best ideas come from our own people and you know what you have to do with our own people listen <laughs> set up ask for their suggestions you guys know this so well from the great work that you've done and all of your books about just listening to your people that's where such great ideas come from and also not be afraid to seek outside help um and one of the folks I interviewed in one of my shows talked about, uh, it was uh, Julia Burstein, talked about when women lead. And she said, a lot of women leaders in top positions did well during the lockdown in the initial stages of the pandemic. Why? Because they weren't afraid to ask for help. We men sometimes, you know, we're driven by this alpha dog concept of, I got to know all the answers. I got to be in control. Uh, and that's okay, but it's very limiting. At least it is in my uh, sphere. So how, why not ask for help from others? So. Yeah, I mean, ask for help. Um, most guys I know won't even ask for directions. <laughs> you know, so that uh, vulnerability of of hey, uh, I need help really is a lesson we can all focus on a lot more. You know, I, I'm I'm curious as to how mental safety uh, plays into your work. You talk a lot about you know, resilience. Uh, how do you teach and foster more of that as leaders? Well, I think mental safety really comes down from a, a sense of creating community. And that's really the ethos of psychological safety, which uh, Amy Edmondson has pioneered in her work for the last couple of decades. And so psychologically safety is um, that ability to feel that um, <clears throat> I can voice my ideas, I will be heard. And it's also that sense that I belong. 
And when I talk about community, which is a sub-theme of this, it doesn't mean that, uh, it means we have shared values, but we all don't think, nor don't we don't all act alike, because acting alike and thinking alike leads us into problems. We call it groupthink. Um, but when you belong part of a community, there's uh, we can disagree among one another, but we have values that hold us together. And I think that's where something I've talked about with grace is that purpose become, you know, nurtures our mission and our vision, our vision and mission. But uh, grace nurtures our values, what we believe, why we believe it, and what holds us together. And what that is, is community. You know, that's such a, you know, powerful term that nobody, you know, I don't think we, we grasp this enough is how important community is, especially as we've gone to this hybrid world. And and you're right, Amy Edmondson's work on psychological safety is 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 really important in helping us understand you know she calls it the fearless organization in fact we interviewed amy for for our book anxiety at work and it's it's funny she said i I don't want to be known as the uh, psychological safety person she says uh, i am so much more than that and I was like, "Sorry, Amy, tough, you know." <laughs> too, too, too late. Yeah, too late. Too late. <laughs> yeah, Chester is the gratitude guy. John is the grace guy. You know, you are psychological safety, and we are who we are. And by the way, you are the grace guy. So, how do people learn more about that work, John? Where would you send them? Well, the easiest thing is a couple of things. Um, on my website, johnbaldoni.com. Um, the other thing is I do a regular podcast or streamcast on LinkedIn Live. Try to do a show once a week. Um, as I mentioned, you guys have both been guests. Um, and uh, the other thing is, um, you know, I write regularly for Forbes and, and other venues, uh, Smart Brief. Uh, but also I have a blog, which I mean, a collected works, which is John, uh, <coughs> I call it the uh, johnbaldoniblog.com. How original. And there's a lot of <laughs> collecting thoughts there. That's the way to do it. Yeah, keep us focused. That's great. Okay, so a couple of other ideas that, that jumped out in your work were empathy, which we talk a lot about, and also joy. And when when a leader may see that, they may go, okay, those are seem to be at opposite, opposite ends of the spectrum. So, But I think you and we would argue that they're connected. So walk us through those ideas and how a leader can maybe use them uh, together in, a, in, a, in their leadership style. You're right. I, I had not linked them, but empathy is an ability. We often define it as an ability to feel one's pain, but empathy is also the ability to feel one's joy. And so, I mean, if you're having a good day, you guys are uh, um, writing partners, business partners, you know, you know each other very well and you celebrate one another's successes. And that's both and your defeats, too. You both experience that. And that's what leaders do. But I always like to say taking um, empathy one step further in leadership and that is there must empathy must be expressed. And what do we call the expression of empathy? We call it compassion. And compassion is that ability to act on what you feel to make things better when possible. So it's interesting. You know, I just had a, a conference I spoke at recently and a guy came up to me because we talked about empathetic leaders. And he said, I, I think we need to take it a notch higher and and go to compassion. And as we kind of talked it through, I wish I had talked to you right before I talked to him because I love that empathy must be expressed and that expression is compassion. Well, really well said, John. Hey, um, you know, you mentioned in your three, take care of your people, take care of yourself, uh, you know, prepare for the future. 
So lots of leaders are close to, if not completely burned out. Um, how can they take better care of themselves? How do we do well, that, take care of self? I'm glad you mentioned it because I really wanted to include a, a section on taking care of yourself because you know what? Leaders do a lousy job of that. And I think partly it's because they're pushed and pulled in different directions, but also leaders by nature are outwardly directed. So it's easy to ignore uh, themselves. You know, um, I had the opportunity years ago to work with a dance troupe, um, learning movement and things like that, and that physicality of it. We, uh, all of us li listeners to this program, uh, live in the cognitive realm. So we're up in our heads all the time. We need to get in tune with how we're feeling. So it's so important to act on self-care. The problem is, is that there's a stigma about it. As you well know from your book on anxiety, you know, there's, because, oh, well, I should be able to power through this. Well, maybe you can't. And so um, leaders, one step, need to make it safe for others to, to say, hey, I have an issue. And the thing about burnout is you're not just harming yourself, you're harming the team. And when you guys know, I know from your research, when you're clocking these crazy hours day after day, month after month, all of this kind of stuff, essentially you're diminishing your capacities. You become an awake drunk. <laughs> you're not high, <laughs> but you, you know, a task that would take an hour takes three hours or whatever. And your, your mind is not clicking. You're not making connections. And so you owe it to yourself to slow down. And sometimes, you know, part of this, I was talking to someone the other day about it, is why don't we do it? I think that's a part of a fear. It's like, well, my team needs me. Yeah, but are you so important that no one else on earth can do your job? Well, probably not. And there are other people. And, you know, this is where grace comes in. And this is where a leader comes in. If I see one of my folks in distress, I pull them aside and I say, Adrian, I know you're going through a lot. You need to decompress. And you'll go, oh, Adrian, will say, I got a lot of stuff going on. I got, you know, yes, Adrian, but I need you. The team needs you. And I can't have you the way you are. And I want the best Adrian. I, I can't have a 50% Adrian. And so that's how leaders make it safe. But they need to turn that lens inside themselves, too. So. Oh, a 50% Adrian. That's, that's still quite, <laughs> quite a lot. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, hey, so... Yes. <laughs> okay, so let's see if you practice what you preach, John. Uh, we're always interested in the, the self-care tactics of successful people. So walk us through a, pra a few practices you've found that can help you take care of yourself first. Uh, I don't need it. I'm perfect. I'm just kind of great the way I am. So why are you asking me this? Uh, no, actually, I've learned a lot about this over the, and part of it is uh, knowing you guys, reading your work. Uh, how about that for an endorsement, huh? Uh, <laughs> seriously, friendship is important. Invest in your friends, build in relationships, family, of course. But friendship has become very, very important to me as I'm in the, I like to say I'm in the, the, the last rodeo of where I am, you know. Uh, and so uh, I can see the, um, the sunset closer than other people. <laughs> and so it, it's taking time to think, reflect, meditate is good. For me, I have two, two passions outside family and friends. Uh, one is piano. 
and I play it regularly every day. Um, and I have the opportunity to play live in a hospital where I'm, excuse me, I'm a headliner because I'm the only one there. <laughs> so, and then the other thing is I play golf and I enjoy being outside. Uh, I exercise regularly. But part of the golf is also the socialization with my friends. And again, so that's how my, that's my self-care. And of course, grandkids, they keep you, as Chester well knows, they keep you hopping. So Yeah, and, and joyful, right, yeah. at the same time. So wonderful conversation, John. We knew it would be great fun to have you on the podcast. Uh, if you were to say, look, if you just could remember one or two things out of the conversation that you'd want our listeners to, to walk away with, what would those one or two things be? Well, I'd want them to know that you contributed to the subtitle, Chester. <laughs> there you go. Thank you. Other than that, <laughs> there isn't anything else. Uh, no, to learn the power of grace. And I deal with grace from the secular sense. We all, many of us know it from the faith-based tradition, but I, as we think about it as the catalyst for good, what does that mean? It enables us to engage, uh, to reach out to others, to meet them where they are. And the other thing is what we touched on before, show grace to yourself. You know, um, you know, you're we're all part of a, of a community and none of us are in this alone. So don't be afraid to ask for help. Show grace to yourself. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, our guest has been John Baldoni. His uh, latest book of one of 16 that he has written is Grace Under Pressure, Leading Through Change and Crisis, available at fine bookstores everywhere. I've got a copy and you should have a copy, too. Thanks for being on the show, John. You've been great. Thanks, Joe. Uh, I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Well, Chess, um, another good, insightful session here with John Baldoni this time, uh, who says three things we need to do when uh, when times are, are challenging. And by the way, every organization we have ever worked with has gone through change in challenging times, right? So he says three things. Take care of your people, take care of yourself, and prepare for the future. You know, I, the thing that I love about John's work around grace is, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, leading with gratitude and taking care of yourself uh, as far as anxiety in the workplace. And, and these are softer skills in a lot of people's minds, and, and yet they're really hard skills, right? Because you're dealing with, with people. And so I so appreciate his work bringing in grace and, and giving yourself a little grace. So often we're so hard on, on, our, on yeah. ourselves. We're a lot harder on ourselves than anybody else would be. I, I loved his, his takeaway there at the end is, you know, give some grace to yourself yeah. as well as the people around you. It was one of my big takeaways. Well, and I think you're right, especially, you know, you and I, we work with a lot of leaders, maybe who've just been promoted, and now they're leaders yeah. of leaders, and maybe they were a director, now they're a vice president, they got more, and as he said, things get faster. I remember hearing an interview once with a, a hockey referee who was, who'd worked a whole career in the minor leagues, and, and when, there was a, when there was a strike, he went up to the major, you know, he went to the NHL. And he says, oh, my gosh, it's like so much faster. <laughs> and he says, I thought I knew hockey, but no. And he had to move at a much faster pace, and, and it took him a while. And, well, the same happens when we go to sort of the major leagues. You move to the C-suite, that we have to slow things down. And he said a couple of things. When you rebuild, first off, you affirm what came before. Then you dig and listen to find the best ideas. Yeah, don't be afraid to ask for, for help from your team. You know, it's so funny you talk about that. I was at a hockey game literally last night, and it's so interesting to me that, you know, the referees will make a call, and then they go to instant replay. 
Well, they, instant replay slows it down like a hundred times slower, and it's amazing how many yeah. times the referees got it right yeah. in real time. You know that when the game slows down, and of course that comes with experience and with patience, and John, I'm sure would say, with with a little grace, um, his personal uh, you know mental health practices I thought were really really good. You know, sometimes we think, oh, it's got to be meditation and a rigorous, you know, diet and exercise workout, and he goes, look, I. I play the piano and I golf with my friends, mm-hmm. and and that really does it for him. And you know, family includes his his grandkids. I think sometimes we we say, okay, I've got to have this mental health regimen, and yeah. it's got to be meditation yeah. and yeah. yeah for half an hour, and yeah, right. And and we make it more complicated than it is. Hey, yeah. go for a walk. Hey, go play golf with your buddies. Yeah. Uh, if that works for you, that's great. And and it really is. You're exactly right. It's what works for you. Some people need that meditation, but others don't. And it's it really is what works for you. I know you noted this too. Kind of last thing for me is that look, empathy. Is is a vital, important, but it's expressed through compassion, and right. I think that's really good. And as we've mentioned before, it's not, oh, you know, bummer, dude. Let me help you. Um, that's that's nice, but that's more sympathy. Compassion is is understanding in yourself a time when you've struggled through something, and then kind of getting to that point so that you're able to to really be compassionate to somebody versus let me fix this for you. Yeah. And my last uh, takeaway is just simply when he said, look, burnout just doesn't harm you. It harms your team. Mm, And often we don't think of that ripple effect, you know, that it takes us longer to do things that our temper is shorter. We're less patient. We're less compassionate. So take care of yourself, because when you burn out, it's not just you that suffers as a leader. It ripples through your team. Well, you know, we uh, we don't get to do all this great stuff without a great team. And we want to give a special thanks to Brent Klein, our amazing producer, and Christy Lawrence, who helps us find all these amazing guests. And of course, all of you that, that listen in, we hope that if you've enjoyed the podcast, that you download it and you share it with friends and family. So I'll leave the big finish to you. Oh, again. wow. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'd love to you to visit thecultureworks.com. That's thecultureworks.com because there's a bunch of free resources like the first chapter of our book, Anxiety at Work. And uh, that is a best-selling book, right, Jess? Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I know the authors. They're wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we live, love speaking to audiences around the world, virtually or in person, on the topics of culture, teamwork, resilience. So give us a call. We'd love to talk to you about your event. And Chester's now going to say something because... <laughs> uh, yeah, you're probably wondering. And listen, it's been great being with you here today. We'll see you on the next edition. Take care and have a great week of mental health. Good mental health. <laughs> Should probably give Brent a little heads up. <laughs> okay, let's just do okay. that ending again. There Here we go. go. Okay. Let me do the last one where we switched over to me and I said, we love speaking. Okay. Okay, great. Go. And we love speaking to audiences around the world virtually or in person on the topics of culture, teamwork, and resilience. So give us a call. We'd love to talk to you about your event. Yeah, thanks again for joining us today on Anxiety at Work. Share it with your friends and have a great week of really good mental health. Cheers. Cheers.